gratitude. This marks the beginning of yet another journey that we'll be taking together throughout this season of Thanksgiving. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love Thanksgiving. Anybody raise your hand if you love Thanksgiving. Love Thanksgiving. It's like the forgotten holiday now. You know what I'm saying by that? Because you get finished dressing up and looking like an idiot, and then you're going right to Christmas and looking for the other idiot that dresses up. You know what I'm saying by that? It's like Passover, but it's Thanksgiving. Come on, no, let's spend some time here, all right? Um, and then you have this problem uh, called Hallmark. You ever heard of Hallmark? Well, they started out with this thing called Hallmark Cards, okay? And they figured a way to make money on every single holiday. It's not even a holiday, right? What's Boxer Day? You going to wear your boxers around? no. Don't make a card for that. You're like, no, that's not what it, I know, okay? But I'm saying Hallmark has ruined us because then they came out with this thing called the Hallmark Channel. All the ladies are like, amen. They totally did. They did, and I love it. It was the Lord. It was the Lord. It was a Hallmark moment. Why? Because all those stupid, all those Christmas movies, and they're not even Christmas movies. They're not. Look, I love red shoes and all that stuff too, but come on, I'm tired. I want to give thanks. You know what I'm saying? I want to give thanks for that turkey. You know what I'm saying? I want to give thanks for stuffing as I'm stuffing my belly. You know, I want to give thanks. I don't want to miss Thanksgiving. Can I get some? Why? Because Thanksgiving, literally though, Thanksgiving is all about just being together. And as I've gotten older, some of you guys are like, come on, you little spring chicken, okay? But as I've gotten older and moved from, you know, adolescence to adulthood, some would suggest that that's not happening yet in my life. But as I've transitioned, and then I did this thing called marriage, and we still do that every day. Um, And then we had these things called children. Things change. And Halloween, you know, thank God for the daddy tax on that, because I got some candy, and I got some proof that I got some candy, okay? (laughs) Okay. That's all I'm worried about there. And then we, we typically just skip over. No. Thanksgiving. I love this season. And I don't want to miss it. Partly because my mother-in-law. Partly because my wife. When I talk to mom, bless your heart. It was hard growing up, I understand. <laughs> that turkey was already dead. It's like... <laughs> bless her heart. She's here. She knows. Oracle's the truth. You know, it happens. The struggle's real. Because she had to take care of us. You guys, like, I'm still interceding on her behalf. But I just think about this season and how I don't want to miss it at all, right? I don't want to miss Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't want Hallmark to steal it uh, and hijack it and turn it to Christmas right after Halloween. Because there's something about Thanksgiving that's important for us. And, and you kind of encapsulate it in a word called gratitude. This was very hard to mine out, right? Because even when I say this word gratitude, what, what pops in your mind? What are the, the feelings that you feel? What are the thoughts that run through your mind? See, gratitude is, is one of these kind of elusive terms, is it not? It, for me, it's so hard to define because it wasn't uh, something that is in and of itself but connected to so many other things. Do you know what I'm saying? Gratitude in and of itself cannot stand without many other counterparts in its life. And I feel like gratitude can be this abstract idea even in my own life sometimes, that it's like a theory. 
not necessarily a practice, not necessarily something that I do every day, but something that I strive for, something that doesn't necessarily even exist in my own life. They're like, well, aren't you supposed to be better like you're a pastor? No, I'm a human being, and I struggle. I struggle to find this thing called gratitude for you. What popped in your mind? Maybe it was a one-liner phrase, but we all know it's something much bigger. Maybe it was uh, the, the nerves that it struck about your childhood and the struggles that you had. It's hard to have gratitude. Pain that someone has flicked, inflicted upon you or successes that you've achieved, your spouse, your children, your family. For most of you, when you think of gratitude, you may think of God. That's the Christian answer. Good job. You made that little check mark in the box. You know what I'm saying? Your home and the life you have, your job and your friends. There's so many things that, and so many emotions that come with this one word, gratitude. And it doesn't take much to zap it, does it not? We are so fickle. In the morning we wake up, man, I am, I am so happy. I am so excited for today, right? My coffee maker doesn't work. Today is going to be a terrible day. I'm going to have to punch every person that I see. What happened to gratitude, right? Gratitude and coffee go hand in hand. Come on, somebody. Yes, Lord? That means I did a good job. He said, that's right. We got to get it any way we can, being pastors. But in order to get a proper view and a proper understanding of gratitude, we have to try to further define this thing. We have to further define it. And it's a state of being grateful, a response to something that someone has received. It is a noun, which means it's a person, place, thing kind of thing, right? It's a thing. Gratitude is a thing. Do you believe me when you think of it that way? Like, don't be getting all deep on me yet. Man, I've only had like one cup of coffee. Tell me that my... I, can you just like tell me I'm pretty or tell me that I have nice hair or tell me that my, my jacket's cool? Just no. We got to go there. What is a thing? What is a thing even? You're like, oh, geez, he's getting into this. Bear with me. An object that one need not, cannot, or does not wish to give a specific name to. An inanimate material or object. You can't even define thing, Right? How am I going to define gratitude How, if I can't define what a thing? Bear with me. A matter of concern, as in getting your affairs in order. Not your extra merit. No, affairs, like what you do. Okay. Possessions, spoken or written observation points, individual or mild obsession or maybe even phobia, things. Have you ever said to yourself, man, things are just not right? You know what I'm saying? Have you ever said to yourself, things are just a little off, right? Or you ever looked at your four-year-old daughter, I don't know who's talking now, and said, that thing is crazy. <laughs> or you man, God, you're doing something in my life. This new, I've never been here. I don't understand this thing. What is this thing? I don't get it. This thing is nuts. This is crazy. I don't get it. Things. Things. At times it's hard to articulate things and how we feel. They escape 
the English or whatever language you may know, they escape the ability to, to articulate a word. Isn't gratitude like that? Think about it. Because it's based off of things. You get what I'm saying here? It's this abstract idea that we try to encapsulate, we try to harness, we try to put a leash on, we try to understand. It's just one of those things we can't quite get. Things. But I think what would be helpful for us is to take gratitude and take it a step further and look at what it means to be grateful, which is an adjective. So it helps us understand this thing called gratitude. It's a feeling or showing of thanks, a feeling or showing thanks to someone for some helpful act. One who is appreciative of the benefits that they've received. Grateful. Man, I'm so grateful for that. Affording, which means being able to pay for or to give pay, pleasure or contentment. Pleasing by reason of comfort supplied or discomfort alleviated. Have you ever been grateful when you're carrying something really heavy on your back and someone comes by and says, let me grab that for you. Whew, I'm so grateful for you. Perfect timing. I have such a sense of gratitude in my life right now. This thing is for real what you just did for me. I can't even explain it. I've been carrying this for so long. Being grateful, gratitude, and understanding. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 and this is where I want us to set our hearts over the next weeks that we're together. 518, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in everything? Everything? Every Justin, you don't, you don't get it, man. You have, not, you have not walked one day in my shoes. You have no context for that statement or for that scripture. You don't get, give thanks in all things and everything, in everything, with everything, thing, thing, thing. Do you know what I've gone through? No. You know how hard it is for me to even wake up in the morning and be grateful that I'm still breathing? I, I don't, honestly. I don't. I'm not, I'm not gonna act like I do. I've got my own stuff, but you've got yours too. Do you know all the things I've dealt with, Justin? No, I know I do not. And there's a flip side to that. Do you know how successful I am? Things are perfect. Have you looked at my bank account thingy? Lots of zeros. Mine has lots of zeros with no numbers in front of it. <laughs> it's like, hey, that's a good thing. It can go both ways with gratitude. It can go both ways where everything is okay, absolutely. So I'll give thanks in all things. <laughs> Everything's perfect. Nothing's happened. All things are good. Everything's in order. Absolutely, I'm grateful. Gratitude. Give thanks. There's two words that I think are probably the hardest words for us to, to, to say on, on a given basis every single day. And you can probably understand why when you hear the two words. Um, because they're so heavy than, than in and of themselves. And you know people that struggle to say these words. And you know them well. And as soon as I say the words, you'll be like, oh, got an example of that one. Know who that is. Check. Thank you. Thank you. Doesn't seem that big, does it? Because someone opens the door. Thank you. 
right? Someone gives you an extra fry, thank you. <laughs> Someone gives you a large Coke versus a small Coke, well, thank you. <laughs> Your wife makes you a sandwich, that didn't happen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. My wife takes care of me, man, as you can tell, exhibit A. Thank you. Now, do you know of people that struggle to say those two words, though? Uh-oh, just got real. Everybody's looking down. They're like, can I find a Bible or something to look in real quick? I'll go to Facebook. <laughs> Thank you means that one has realized that someone else has done something for them that they had no part in. Thank you means that there was no effort exerted, that there were no monies paid, just something that one has taken, I think, and received. That's why thank you is hard, I think, because it takes humility. Gratitude takes humility, doesn't it? Gratitude takes us saying, you know what? You did this for me and I did nothing for you. Thank you. I had a conversation one time with a really close friend of mine. Um, this was when we were youth pastoring. And uh, like there was, he's like, man, I feel like you're struggling a little bit with finances. Let me, let me bless you. I'm like, oh, man, I'm cool. I'm good. Thanks, dude. I really appreciate that. He's like, you've got pride. Like it was AOL. You've got pride. <laughs> I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan, you know? At that very moment, God taught me a lesson. Thank you. You know what? Thank you. I'll humble myself in that because, you know, I could use the help. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? I, I need, Thank you. That was a life lesson for me because it is very hard to receive if you're a person who gives. You know what I'm saying here, right? Givers, doers. It's very hard to receive, isn't it? Why? Because we're going to do. It's what doers do. They do. They do do. And do, do, do. And do. You guys, y'all dirty. That's what we do. So it's so hard for us to receive, which disables the ability to say, thank you. This feeling of gratitude and the act of saying thank you um, towards others versus ourselves can be difficult because it takes us engaging two distinct processes that are not innate to humankind. This process of affirmation, saying life is good, generally that life is good and that it's okay that I affirm what's going on now and this understanding. It's, it's, it's good, but it's not perfect. It's okay. I affirm that. That's fine. The second is this, recognition. Recognizing that these sources of these good things are outside of ourselves. We don't like for power, provision, or whatever to come from outside of ourselves. We want to find it from within. Taught from a young age, right, guys? Be a man. Suck it up. Right? Don't cry. Don't whine. Suck it up. Ladies, be strong. Right? Be strong. Don't let anybody get in there. Don't Look, you hurt them before they hurt you. Make sure you protect yourself. That's what we're taught to do. What happens? We miss out. We miss out on the opportunity of someone investing from the outside in and giving us the ability to say thank you for these things and for us to have an attitude of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving. Gratitude. Second thing, when it comes to thank you, being thankful and saying thank you is such a healthy practice in one's life and it will change his or her life for all time as well. 
There's a, a field of psychology that is relatively new uh, in the last uh, about 20 or so years. Might be a little bit off. I'm checking my sources. But there's a, a field of psychology. We, we study psychology. And this field is uh, how we, we, we study uh, humans' minds and their behaviors, but when, when we throw in there this, this, this curveball of positivity, this understanding. And there's a doctor in particular named Robert Emmons, who is a professor of psych at the University of California, Davis. And he is known as the scientific expert on gratitude. Scientific expert on gratitude. Science. And behaviors in our mind, if you know what I'm saying here. Sometimes in our emotions, <laughs> science, emotions, can you put this, can you graph this, can you chart this, can you make sense of this? He's an expert on science and gratitude, okay? And there's some things that uh, he, he lives by and he's promoted for years based out of his studies that I think are really beneficial to us and being believers. He himself is a believer. And when asked, what is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you? Salvation. So a, a psychologist who is a believer and is an expert on thank you, okay, on gratitude. So in his effort and research uh, to further develop this, this new field of psychology on gratitude, uh, he has conducted over 10 years of experiments in this area of gratitude. One study of 300 people with 300 journals where they literally had their own journal, okay? Your own physical journal that you had with you every single day. And um, they had three daily visits to that, that, that journal. These were the three things that were written in there, things that they are grateful for, things that annoy them, and anything else that popped in and out of their minds, that part of me would just be like 14 pages a day. Can I get some amens on that? What popped into your mind? Squirrel! You know, it's like, <laughs> you're gone. You know, Jordan almost shot me. Um, it's like, finally, I saw one. Okay. Uh, and Pap's ready to eat. All right. See, that just happened. Third list, gone. But these three things, things you're grateful for, things that annoy you, and things that pop in and out of your minds. And this, this study, these statistics proved that those who wrote more about the things they are thankful for had a much higher level of well-being. All of us want a better level of well-being, a higher level of well-being, a better quality of life. Listen to the side effects of those that expressed gratitude. They get along better with others. You're giving your kids a journal, aren't you? All of a sudden, you're like, journal what you're thankful for, little one. Because <laughs> you're about to string them up somewhere. Okay, it doesn't happen. They're less depressed concerning mild or moderate forms of depression. And this gratitude generally allows folks to rise above the problems that they face. They achieve more. They're more generous, more resilient to trauma. In this world, there's no trauma. We know that. The physical benefits, they exercise more, they sleep better, less likely to smoke or use alcohol, have lower blood rate, healthier lipid levels. All the doctors and nurses and all you go, you're like, oh, that's great. Everybody else is like, huh. And improved kidney function as well. The simple fact of writing down, expressing thank you in their lives literally changed their well-being. You're like, How's, what does that matter with church and us? And bear with me, it's going to make sense. 
Happiness was unlocked by gratitude. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. But because of this gratitude, being able to say thank you, their lives were changed, and it was scientifically proven over time. So we get that uh, gratitude can be understood in these psychological, scientific uh, terms and, and the side of life. But what about the Word of God? What does gratitude look like to Him? What does He have to say about it? Of course, when we look at, uh, at Paul and his life, we see this give thanks idea. And that's hard to do, but it's uh, something that we, we need to, to work into our lives more. It's something that needs to change our thinking and change our everyday life. But what do we do? We rebuild. Okay, and this is the key for us. We rebuild, all right? We rebuild our thinking. We rebuild our lives from below the ground up. See, we got to understand that, that gratitude is foundational. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Gratitude isn't an addition onto the house. Gratitude isn't a new washer and dryer, although for some of you, you would love that. Or a new sink with a nice new faucet that you touch with the back of your hand that turns on by itself. I'm so grateful. <laughs> Me too. It wouldn't work just fine, but whatever. Gratitude isn't this nice flashy garage that you built, which is awesome. Can I get amens, guys? Gratitude is something that is foundational. Gratitude is much deeper than we understand. Gratitude goes far deeper than we've ever understood in our lives because we think it's something that's superficial. It's like putting new siding on the house. and be, No. Gratitude is much deeper. What needs to happen in our lives is a tearing down and a rebuilding. And this happens through Jesus, through God and what they've done in our lives. Ephesians 2, 19. This understanding that Christ is the cornerstone in our lives. So key for us because we think of this rebuilding process as, as stones, one upon the other. How many of you guys ever watched the Alaska shows? Anybody with me on this? I love them. Last Frontier. Love those guys. They're nuts. Crazy. Well, one of the brothers moved back. Did you see that? Anybody with me on this? You tra tracking with me? One of the brothers moved back. And one of the things he was doing, it's, it's time to build his own house. It's time to build his house on the homestead, all right? And Kara has already checked out on this because she checks out at home on that too. So pray for us. But the thing is this. Shane, I think his name is, comes back home. And him and his wife are getting ready to build this house. They've got the plans. They've got all this kind of stuff lined up. Timber is, is coming together, all that for them to build this log home. But the most important thing that they got to do is go down to the water and start collecting rocks, collecting rocks, collecting rocks. Loads and loads of rocks, loads and loads of rocks, loads. And, and they're, cutting, they're bringing them up and they're bringing them up. And they miss a whole season, a whole opportunity to, to create this structure because they missed out on the opportunity to set the foundation. One of the things they, they did is after that, they, they dug the trench all the way around. Okay, this is how they do in Alaska. They're real people. They, they dig a trench all the way around, and they begin to just put the stones in there, put them in there, one after the other, one after the other. All before you know it, there's a foundation upon which they can build. The same is true with our lives, isn't it? Now, for us, it might we pour foundations here. We come with a cement truck, and two minutes later, whoa, that's great. 
But when it comes to rebuilding our lives, it's hard work. When it comes to rebuilding a life with gratitude, it is hard work. And sometimes year after year, we miss the opportunity to rebuild. And I think what's so important for us is to understand this, that he is the capstone. He is the beginning. He is the cornerstone. He is the beginning, the end, and everywhere in between. But we need to start with him. Psalm 18, 31, that God is our rock, that understanding. 2 Samuel 22, 32, God and no one else is our rock. Gratitude. There's a story. Oh, where did it go? Where did my stone? Wasn't there a stone here? Now it's a stone's throw away. Um, I thought there was. I had a little stone. It's a cute little stone. It's somewhere around here. And uh, there's a story of the gratitude stone. And uh, that a guy would carry with him. Uh, and whenever he needed uh, the encouragement, whenever he needed uh, the, is that it? Throw a stone. <laughs> it's like, I'm Goliath. Thanks, buddy. Another example of BibleStories.com. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Okay. But a gratitude stone is so important for us. And there's a story about the man who carried the stone around with him uh, for the reason uh, so that when, say, he took out his keys and he went to pay for his, his mocha or he went to do whatever, he would pull out this stone. It would be in his pocket or in the way, per se, where he would be reminded of things that he was grateful for. You understand where I'm going with this? This is so important for us to understand in our personal lives. And you know what's funny even about this stone? I was walking down the back steps this morning. And Carrie, you probably know this. This is the stone that Aiden placed on top of that pillar. And I grabbed it. I'm like, I leave it there normally because it reminds me of my son. You know what I'm saying by that? It reminds me of, you know, how funny he is and how he does these little things. And, you know, he's the guy that in the house, there's a, a, a key thing that Kara has on the wall. He always puts the key in the lock and I always take it down. I'm like, four, cute. <laughs> it's a reminder of the things I'm grateful for. And you think about in your lives that, we need these reminders. We need these stones in our lives as reminders of what we're grateful for. The number one thing is this, of course, Jesus Christ. But we need some key stones in our lives for us to continue to grow in our relationship with him, to continue to have gratitude. The first stone is this, the stone of joy, the stone of joy. Now, remember, we talked about happiness for a moment um, and, and gratitude that, that is, is a result of happiness. But as believers, that's different. As believers, it's different. You know, the, the world would use, I'm just not happy, right? But for us, we talk about this thing called joy because that is another stone that you need to build on in your life. Him being the cornerstone, but then the joy that comes from him. Joy versus happiness. Happiness is an emotion of contentment, satisfaction, or what have you. But joy is a state of being. I'm unhappy when I run out of gas. But I have joy knowing that I will get gas. No comment. That I have a vehicle. That everything, you see what I'm saying by that? Joy is this state of being versus happiness that's dependent upon situations and circumstance. The causes of happiness are external based upon events and circumstances and such. But the causes of joy are inward. It's a spiritual thing. Happiness is momentary. Joy is everlasting. We need the stone of joy in our lives to build upon. Because things are going to happen, and they'll happen in a major way, and they will just wreck your faith if you allow them. 
But if you have the stone of joy, and you think about this from John 5, 1 through 11, this is the story of the father as the gardener. Christ is the vine and we are the branches. If you want to have true joy, you have to remain in him, right? If you want true joy and contentment, you have to remain in him. And again, apart from him, you're nothing. This joy, this this stone of joy for us is so important to carry around in our lives because it's a reminder that regardless of what's happening today, it's going to be all right. That this is just today and there's always tomorrow. This is just a season and this too will change and will pass. The stone of joy and it's found in the vine. The second thing is the stone of grace. Kara picked the first names of the kids, right? Like, you go for it. Triple A. The one that will cost you for the rest of your life. will never save you a dime. Aiden, Allie, and Andalyn. You're supposed to hit the drums. But I like the, the middle names was my thing, right? Second one, Allie Grace. Boy, does she need it. But, boy, did I receive it. Right? When I think of having this beautiful, precious little girl, right, I think of all my mistakes, all the things I did that was stupid, all of everything, and I think, oh, yet again, God's grace. I look in those little blue eyes, and I remember when she was a baby, she was oh, so stinking cute. She still is, as you know. She's just more sassy than she was before, more grace. But I remember looking, and I was just like, God, thank you so much for what you've done in me. Thank you so much for all that you've given to me. I'm not talking about the monetary happiness stuff. I'm talking about the joy things. God, thank you so much for the grace that you've extended to me. I'm holding your promise, right? You understand what I'm saying here? I'm holding your, your everything that you've wanted for me. The full example of who you are to me as a father, you're enabling. Thank you for your grace. It's so hard to receive it, though, isn't it, sometimes? because we don't give it to ourselves. That's the hardest part. It's the hardest part to build upon the stone of grace because that's the one we throw out the quickest because we don't have it for ourselves and therefore it's hard for us to give to others. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Saved from what? That's a big term, isn't it? Number one, from ourselves. Right? And then from sin. And really, from this understanding that we're, we're going somewhere that God doesn't want us to be. Hell. Saved by grace. Because it wasn't created for you. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. 
not by work so that anyone can boast, right? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to, good, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He wants us to receive his loving grace. He wants us to receive this grace so that then we can give it. Grace is an understanding that we're all the same. It's an understanding that we're all on the same level, okay? And this is what makes sense to this generation, not someone that is pious and pompous that feels like they're above any. We're all the same. We all need grace, and we all need to give grace. And it's something that we need to build our lives upon, grace. Is this the stone of love, the stone of love. Psalm 101 through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise the name of the Lord. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Love. Love. If you've ever looked up uh, Psalm 136, there's 26 verses. And 26 times the author repeats this term, his love endures forever. For any circumstance in your life, his love endures forever. For the hatred you may feel, his love endures forever. For the lack of forgiveness, his love endures forever. Do you, you get what I'm going with this? For all of your success, his love endures forever. For all the things that you've done, his love endures forever. I want to build a whole house on this. See what I'm saying? This love that he's talking about here is that love you saw in John, the 21st chapter. And I've shared this story before, again, one of my favorites, but that story of Peter, after he was rejected, went back to fishing, remember that? Hanging out with his buddies, doing his thing that he was used to doing, default behavior is what I call it. When you go back to what you did before, this is where he was. And you get this picture of, of Jesus hanging out with Peter on the beach, making some food. I want to be careful here because you guys are probably starting to get hungry. But he was making some food. And this might, let me just, making fish. All right, you're good now. Okay. Making some fish and hanging, just talking. You see this, this situation unfold. And Jesus' conversation with him. Simon, son of John, do you love me? His response, remember, each time is, yes, Lord, I love you. The first two times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He was talking about this agape love, this self-sacrificial love. That was a good one, too. That means I hit number level two. That's great. And the last time he asked, Peter, do you love me? He's asking this phileo, this friendship love that signifies affection, affinity, or brotherly love. He said, well, here's the thing. If you do, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to take care of my sheep. I want you to feed my sheep. He's saying, Peter, make disciples. 
What does this mean? What does this mean in light of our lives right now? For us to give love, we have to receive it. Do you know what I'm saying here? And this is perfect love. This is perfect love, unmatched, unlike any other. This is the love of God. This, this love changed his life. Because remember, he was reed blown by the wind and he turned to rock upon which I'm going to build my church. He's saying that I'm going to build my church, which is your church, Peter. Okay, and you guys, your church, wherever you work throughout the week, wherever you go and all that, he's going to build upon you. He's creating you a rock as well. Okay, and it's going to happen by way of his love. But why can't we accept that? Why can't we accept the fullness of God's love? You ever think about it? Because I guarantee you, if we accepted the fullness of God's love, our everyday lives would look so different. There's a difference between a child, and you know this. This is so sad when you see it around you. Everyday life. There's a difference between a child that it does not have a loving environment, a loving home, than one that does. Are you with me? Because you may feel like I was that child too. And it makes it hard for us to accept the love of a father, doesn't it? But I can tell you, this, this is foundational. Matt, if you want, buddy, you could slide up. We're going to get ready to set the table for communion. You guys can bring up. They're going to set the table for us. This, this love is foundational for us. And it goes far beyond anything else in our lives that we've, we've ever been thankful for. Because this love is unlike any other. This love doesn't match. This is a love uh, that, that, that someone lays down their life for. This is a love that someone uh, changes their whole path, their whole direction of their life. This is a type of love that is absolutely foundational to us, that enables us to say thank you. To say thank you. That's hard, isn't it? Because this, this ups the... Look, it's one thing to give grace. I, I got that. that. That's great, okay? I can give grace. I can do that kind of thing. I'm good with that. It's one thing to find my joy in the Lord. I got that. That's cool. But it's a whole other thing when you talk about this love stuff. I'm not there. I'm not... I can't... No, I can't even go there. I'm not Peter, you know? I, I, no. I'm just a normal person. They were too. I can't go all in like, no, I'm just this love thing. That's where we get stumped, don't we? But I love, love, what we see in a time of communion, in a time of remembrance. And as I was prepping for this, this series as a whole, as a, when I asked myself the question, what are, what are you most grateful for? As a believer, it was textbook, but it was so much deeper for me. I am so grateful for Jesus. I really am. I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm not, I'm not afraid to go public with that. I'm not, I'm not afraid, you know what I'm saying, to say he is everything to me. When people ask, given, you know, things that I've gone through growing up and all that stuff, how did you, like, 
How'd you come through that? How'd, but accepting his love. Accepting, if I stayed the way I was, I couldn't give and be who I am. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to accept his love. We have to accept the gift of Jesus. Do you understand where I'm coming from? That he died for you. Why? So that you wouldn't have to die. Yeah, you may die in the physical sense, but you'll live forever with him. That's love. It's love that he intervenes and he, he's there on your behalf. That's love. You see what I'm saying here? I don't understand it either all the time. I couldn't articulate this thing called love even. But I just try to identify with it as much as possible. His love. First Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. Paul gives a reminder to the church of Corinth as to how we should operate when we're together in a community of believers. He says to them regarding the remembrance of Jesus Christ that is found in the symbolism of the bread and of the juice that we have here today. They're actually oyster crackers and grape juice. Score. Some sweet body right there. I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to, we're going to move. And what we're going to do, because communion is always fun in this building, we're going to try something new, okay? And, and as, as you are processing through, I'm going to read the portion of Scripture to you. But what, what you're going to do, and I'm hoping it'll work, is you're going to go this way. You get what you need, and then go back to your seat. So you guys are going to walk around... Walk around the whole building, okay? Help me there. Walk, absolutely. Listen, it's like herding cattle. We got to do this. Nobody's fat, just got to herd cattle, okay? You're going to literally walk around. We're trying a new way to do it. And if this works, we'll go for it. If it doesn't, bless the Lord. You'll grab what you need and then just funnel back into your seat, okay? Can y'all do that? Can you try it for me? Because again, it's hard up in here. So let me get you to stand. And I'm going to finish reading the scripture. As you begin to move. All right, I got my helpers. Yes, we're trying it out here. We're, we're trying our hardest. These guys are working at it. And we also have another high class problem called growth where we need to buy more communion supplies like trays and stuff. So we got it out on a tray so you'll be able to grab that too, okay? Got it? You good? All right. So these guys are going to start distributing the body and the blood of Christ this morning. If you want, you can start to get out. You guys ready? Ready? All right. Start to get out. All right. Come from that direction first and then head around. All right. So all you guys go that way. You guys go that way. All of them come around. All right. You got it? Go this way. This is going to be hard, but we're going to do it. Yeah. Go this way and just keep funneling around. There we go. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
And as you're walking around, as you're getting back to your seat, be thinking about this. The body that was broken for you. Okay? This body that was broken for you so that you may be whole. For some of us, we, we may be believing for a healing this morning. We're believing for a touch of God in our lives. Right? His body was broken for you. His body was broken so that you may be whole. Is it working? That's all right. We're trying. Do things. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. That's okay. We're getting it. This is why we call things experiments. Because you don't have to do it again. The new covenant of my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself. You have a lot of time. Ought to examine. This isn't working. It's okay. We're going to work this out. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Take some time and begin to think, what, is, what has God been challenging you with lately? In light of gratitude, in light of his body, of his, what has God been challenging you with in light of the understanding of his broken body and his blood that was spilled. What we're going to do is Matt's going to start to sing and then at the end we'll receive the elements together. We're going to try and do a better fashion to distribute this real quick. And then we'll keep on with communion. All right? You good, buddy?
stand so great about um, having the whole word of God we see the full sacrifice of Christ 
You know, imagine sitting at the table with Jesus this day with these guys, and they, they don't quite get it. You know what I'm saying by that? Like, yeah, I, I get this. I, I get celebrating Passover kind of thing, Jesus. I understand. I mean, this is cool and all. I get what you're saying, but imagine the fullness of knowledge that they came to after the fact. When they realized that was my last supper with him. That was the greatest moment in my life as far as identifying who he is, not was, who he is and who I am to be. Imagine when, when they did this in remembrance of him, going back and, 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 and talking about, man, his body was broken. Do you remember that? I couldn't even handle it. I had to run away. His body was, I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even recognize him. He did not look like the Jesus that I used to go fishing with and go camping with kind of thing. And, and dude, that was not, you remember when his blood spilled from his body? That was, that was real. See, we can identify with this today and understanding that we do this in remembrance that it wasn't just for his disciples then, but for his disciples now. For each and every one of you, his body was broken so that yours may be whole. His blood was spilled to give you a place in heaven. But it's all about choice. Gratitude and saying thank you is about a choice. You're right, you see what I'm saying? It's about you identifying that someone gave you something that you had no part in. You did nothing to deserve, to earn, or whatever. Someone gave you, did something for you that you could really never repay. In this instance, Jesus gave it all. Literally. Now, it was with the promise that he would come back which is how we live forever with him. But it, it, was, it was a sacrifice with a promise. And I just want to challenge you this morning that um, hold, hold up this piece of bread. Understand something about this. That as you do this in remembrance of him today, whatever may be broken in your life physically, emotionally, whatever. That, that as you do this in remembrance, you are identifying that you will be whole. Are you with me? It's symbolic, yes, but invigorates faith and belief. And, and, and then do this. Thank Him in advance for what He's going to do. How He's going to restore unto you health. This isn't prosperity stuff, you know what I mean? Like He's going to flood your account with hundred dollars. No, I'm not talking about it. He'll supply what you need. If you need healing, you believe it when you receive it. Whatever that's broken in your life, let him heal it. Let him put it together. Close your eyes with me. God, we thank you for your ultimate sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We thank you that his body was broken so that we may be whole. That our body, number one, but our, our spirit, our everything in us, God, 
can be healed, can be mended, can be repaired. And Lord, we thank you in advance for that. We have an overwhelming sense of gratitude within us right now. We thank you for it. And we bless you because of it. And we pray you bless this bread to our bodies as we remember you this morning at the foundry. And as we mark this day that we begin to walk out in belief and understanding that we will be whole through you. We take the bread. as a kid when it was communion time at church of course I was excited about the tiny cups and the grape juice I used to love finishing that up afterwards too but I loved as I got older the understanding of what his blood did for me and I remember singing oh the blood of Jesus oh the blood of Jesus you, you almost didn't want people to come during communion time. Because, like, why are you singing about blood and stuff? That's a little crazy. But I think about it in my own life. Of what the blood of Christ and what that has done for me. An overwhelming sense of joy and understanding that one day, regardless of what happens here, I will be with him there forever. Because of his sacrifice, because of his blood that was spilled for me. This is a, a moment of understanding for us that we identify with what Jesus did and the salvation that is afforded to us through this act. And as I pray, I want to challenge you. If you need to realign yourself with him, if you need to commit yourself to him for the very first time or rededicate your faith to him, before you just take the grape juice, Take a moment and say, forgive me of my sins, of anything that I've done to, to help me not be close to you, that, to, that has put me at distance from you, and bring me close to you this morning. It's that simple. And then we walk together. Okay? But it's a choice. And it's something that will give you such a sense of gratitude in your life, being in a relationship with Jesus, that will change you forever. So, Lord, this morning we, we have this cup in our hands that is symbolic of blood that was spilled for us, of a judgment that was passed on someone that we deserved, that was punishable by death and only by death, that he was the lamb that was led to slaughter, that he was the once and for all sacrifice for all sin to bring unity between God and man. God, I thank you that your heart has never stopped pursuing us. That the Father's heart has always been fixed on his children and that you want to be with us and you desire to be in our lives, but it's our choice to be with you. So this morning, we choose that in our own way. We ask for forgiveness, we repent, we turn from and we turn to you. We turn from sin and we turn to you. And we do it every single day, God, from this point on so that we can consistently line up with who you are. God, we love you, and we thank you for your sacrifice and for your blood that was spilled. Take the cup. In this moment, I just want to challenge you. 
to say two words. You know which two words I'm talking about. But in conclusion, I want you to weigh the cost of those words in your life. And then as you say those two words, let those two words walk with you as you leave this place. If you want to pray about anything, of course, you know we're always here. We also have folks in the Connection Center and all that too because we love you guys and we want to do life with you. But I want you to stand with me. Stand right now. And before you leave today, to Him, when you're ready, I want you to say thank you. And also, you know, something else that's good is if there's somebody that's around you today that has been instrumental uh, in, in your, your gratitude in your life, let them know before you leave. If there's someone that you thought of that you are grateful for, send them a letter this week. Email them. Go to lunch with them. Do something. Let them know how grateful you are for them in your lives. You see what I'm saying? This attitude of gratitude and saying thank you will change your life you got to let it. You understand where I'm coming from? Someone that says thank you is someone that is so much happier and so much healthier and so much better all the way around in this life. Drop pride. Take up gratitude and say thank you. Lord, we thank you for the day. We do. And we love you, God. So as we exit this morning, we say thank you. We've come to that place of thanking you for everything you are and everything you've done and everything you'll ever be to us. Help us, God, to be your hands and feet. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name.